So 74,000 a year. 63,568. Yeah, 34.94 an hour for my W2 position, $55 an hour for my acute PRN position. Now I make $37 an hour. Um, that's after several raises. I am making $49 an hour for the 1099. Hello, I'm Megan Berg. And I'm Dr. Jeanette Benegas. And we're two SLPs on a mission to arm our colleagues with the knowledge they need to increase their pay and help elevate our field as a whole. Wage stagnation continues to be one of the major issues plaguing the field of SLP, and we are here to bring transparency around this issue. Each episode, we interview SLPs and ask direct questions about money so that all of us can use that information to better negotiate our salaries. If you're curious about what other SLPs make and want to know what you can do to make sure you don't get caught in the trap of never being paid what you're worth, this is the show for you. All right, welcome back, everybody. Our guest today is choosing to remain anonymous, so we're going to spin our random name generator. All right, here we go. Our guest today is Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi. All right, we're going to start out with our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, Where do you live? Feel free to be as specific as you want to be. In the Southeast. All right. And how would you define your race? Caucasian. And how would you define your gender? Female. And what setting are you in? Outpatient rehabilitation. And including your CFY, how many years of experience do you have as an SLP? 27. All right. So we're going to take all of the advice that you have to give us today from your experience. (laughs) Okay. Um, and how much do you make? Um, $50 and 43 cents an hour. And I'm, right. I'm, and is, I'm salaried. So. So that's a W2 contract, not a 1099. Correct. Okay. And did you negotiate that pretty heavily? No, there was no negotiation. Okay. Um, and actually I should say that that, my hourly pay. Um, we have a um, clinical ladders where I work. So that pay reflects that I'm on the clinical ladder. If I stopped doing the activities I need to do on the clinical ladder, I would lose about $6 per hour. What are those activities? Um, going above and beyond the continuing education that we need. So we have to have, you know, 15 hours, I think is what my system requires. So any hours above that, uh, supervising a student, being involved in um, state association or ASHA, teaching a class, um, in volunteer work, things like that outside of work. Um, even working in other uh, settings within our system. So if I were to go to acute care or inpatient rehab or to one of our sister facilities, um, I would get credit for doing that. Cross training, I think is what they call it. 
I don't think it's uncommon, Megan, for some places to have ladders like this. Um, I know I often bring in guest speakers to speak at my courses and it's not uncommon for them to ask me for a letter or a syllabus showing they were scheduled or some type of like confirmation that they had done it because it does count at their yearly review for things like raises. So I, I've already had someone reach out to me who's done it in the past. She said, in order for me to keep, she got, I think she got a bump. She's called a, a senior SLP now. She's like, in, in order for me to keep that title and the increase in salary I got, I have to do something like speak again in your class. Can, can I get scheduled to do that? So um, that's a nice, a nice add on, but it is extra work, right? It's not just for your value, but at least they're recognizing the extra things that people do, which is important. Mm -hmm. And so Rose, everybody makes the same amount of money. There's like a spreadsheet and you just figure out where you are on the spreadsheet. Um, I, I guess, um, I know we're, we're told that there's a range of, um, based on the market and where I fall in the range, like for our yearly reviews, if I get a raise, um, they look at my salary and my number of years and say, you know, you're at a hundred percent or 80% or of the range. So I don't know how much everyone else makes. How long have you been with this particular company? Five years this time. I've worked for them before. Okay. Did When they hired you back, did they offer you more money than you were making before? Oh, absolutely. Because it had been um, over 15 years since I had worked here before. Okay. Because my heart like palpated a little bit when you told us your hourly rate and that's not PRN, that's not 1099, that is 50 something on the W-2 for your full-time rate. And I would venture to say that's not typical, but today we're talking to someone with a lot of experience. So an, a new CF in your company is not going to be offered the same amount of money. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear today. Don't Correct. forget, we're talking to someone with almost 30 years of experience who has worked towards this amount of hourly pay. And also what she's saying is she was nowhere near this rate 15 years ago. Mm-mm. Do you remember so what you're making 15 years ago? It was in the $30 range, I'm pretty sure. And we had a bump for work. I was in acute care then. And we had a differential so that when we worked the weekends. We got, I think, a dollar more an hour on the weekends when we worked. But it was it was in the 30 It's been so long ago. It was, I was probably bringing home about $60,000 a year. We have many sponsors to thank for making this podcast possible. In the spirit of money transparency, we want you to know that each sponsor has contributed $250 for their ad spot. Half of this goes to our episode guests and the other half goes to Nishla in order to encourage students to listen in and gain the knowledge they need to negotiate their first SLP jobs.
Are you a speech pathologist, a student, a clinical fellow, or an instructor searching for the ultimate resource to conquer the challenges of managing swallowing disorders? Look no further. The Swallowing Training and Education Portal, known as STEP Community, is here to transform your professional journey. STEP is a game changer and is the only all-in-one, high-quality, low-cost online education platform for swallowing and swallowing disorders, created for SLPs by SLPs. Since 2018, STEP has empowered thousands of students, clinicians, and instructors, helping them improve the lives of countless individuals living with swallowing disorders around the world. With STEP's affordable membership starting at just $15 a month and no annual commitment, you gain unlimited access to over 75 hours of engaging coursework created by experts, ensuring you build a strong foundation in dysphagia management. Visit stepcommunity.com today to unlock a world of possibilities. Discover how STEP can empower you to become a leader and expert in the field of swallowing disorders. Come join our growing community and let us help you along your journey, one step at a time. You know, does your employer hire a lot of CFYs, a lot of inexperienced clinicians? Do they have, do they, do they tend to hire a mix? It's a mix. It's sometimes it's whoever we can get to, to fill the position. So would you say that you're in a rural area where jobs are hard to fill? I am in a rural area and sometimes jobs are hard to fill and sometimes we have more applicants than we have jobs. So it just, it just depends. Um, I know I've heard a lot of SLPs talk about this concept of like the more experience that you have as an SLP, the harder you are to be employed. Like, because a lot of employers are looking for a lower hourly rate. And so they'll hire people specifically without a lot of experience because they know they can get away with a lower rate. Is that a sentiment that you feel is true? Or have you felt like in your career, the more experience you have, the more pay you receive and, it, and employment opportunities are not a problem? Um. I have never had any difficulty getting a job with my years of experience. So I have, I haven't job hopped, but I've had several jobs, especially in the last 15 years. Um, I didn't feel like I was passed up for someone younger. In fact, when I applied for this job, there were other applicants that probably had fewer years of experience than I did. And I was selected. I was hired. So I, I don't feel that way here. I think it happens in my area, but not necessarily with this company. Would you or have you ever taken a lower rate to work with a specific population or because there weren't many opportunities in the area where you were living? Yes. Um, when I left, I worked in the schools for a while. And when I left there, there were no medical settings, none of the nursing homes, none of the skilled nursing were, were hiring or the hospital that I knew of. And I took a job with a private practice pediatric clinic as a, I was basically paid by the visit. Um, and it was a, it was a pay cut for me, but I was miserable in the schools and I wanted out. So I took it. 
So with your package being on salary, how many hours a week is that? Is it supposed to be 36 or 40? What is the expectation? And do you find that you go over because of paperwork or other responsibilities? Mine is 40, but now it's negotiable. When I worked here 15 years ago, you had to work 40 hours to be, in order to be a full-time salaried employee. Now it's 32 to 40 hours. So some, some of my coworkers work 36 hours. Some of my coworkers work 34 hours and they're still salaried. And yes, I do stay over. Um, in fact, the other night I didn't leave my, my day is supposed to end at five 30 and I didn't leave here until right at six 30 because I was doing paperwork. Do you ever have the opportunity though to leave early or do you have to be clocked in 40 hours a week, no matter what. So they'll let you stay there late, but you won't, they won't let you flex that time during other pay periods if you need to leave. Not usually. I think it's a case by case basis. So if I say I had a doctor's appointment and I needed to leave an hour early, I could probably get away with that, but they, they really don't want us to be gone more than an hour or so at a time, like for doctor's appointments. If so, we have to put in PTO or time off. How often would you say you're staying there working off the clock? You know, I've never considered it working off the clock because I'm salaried. So I'm not, I'm not um, eligible for overtime. Right. But, but, yeah. they're, but they've contracted you saying we're going to pay you for 40 hours a week. This is correct. Um, It happens regularly, like every week. And you're seasoned. So you've got the experience under your belt to kind of whip through paperwork and pump it out, right? Or, Or know where to find your resources or to plan for therapy the next day. Whereas a new clinician, you know, a couple of years out, maybe might be doing even more time off the clock. Do you see that? Or do you think that goes on? Um, so a couple of things. So yeah. <laughs> um, yes and no. So no, I don't went through paperwork because I, I'm guilty of not doing documentation during my session. I feel like my patients, so I see adults, a lot of cognitive communication, a lot of aphasia. I feel like I need to give them my full attention for 45 minutes. I find it very hard to have my face in a computer typing something um, when when I'm working with them so a lot of the times that's on me I will try to catch up like just at the beginning part of my lunch break and I usually end up taking my full lunch break sometimes I do end up spending most of my lunch doing documentation Um, so I could do better with that maybe I don't know but what I've seen with some other therapists is that, um, especially in the pediatric populations, they're typing on notes almost the entire time they have a pediatric patient. Um, but that's not that, acceptable, right? Like, I no, agree it, with you that you no, said I, I don't want to be doing paperwork when I'm with my client. So they should be giving you paperwork time. Or are they scheduling you back to back? Yes. With so no our, paperwork time in between. Nope, but no. And here's here's where we get away with it. We're expect our productivity is only sixty percent. But on days that everyone shows up, so that's building in possible no shows cancellations, right? Um, but on days when everyone shows up, I'm I'm well over 
60% productive. So that's a problem in our, like, to me, that's a problem in our field. And with these employers who are contracting you to do a week's worth within 40 hours, but then aren't really giving you the time to do it. Because also your lunch break is your lunch break. That's not paid time. That's Correct. time that you're working off the clock that belongs to you that should be allowing you time to make space for yourself to, to uh, you know, you and I just went to a, a wonderful continuing education from one of our sponsors, the STEP community, where we talked about making space and time to think at work. Um, that can be your lunch break. It shouldn't, mm -hmm. shouldn't be time when you're doing work for your employer that they have said they're going to pay you to do. So that lowers I, compensation. That lowers compensation. Yes. Can I bring in a little bit of math? Yes, do it. I can't do that. We've talked about that before. So if the hourly rate is $50 an hour and you work one hour off the clock, that drops your hourly rate to $43.75. If you work over lunch and then stay an hour late, so you work two hours off the clock, that drops it to $37.50 per hour. And then if you work over lunch and stay a couple hours late, that drops it to $31.25 an hour is what you're, you would actually be making. What do you think about that, Rose? It stinks. <laughs> um, and I've, I've tried to do better. I try not to um, stay any later than I have to. Um, and... Part of it, I don't know that it's necessarily the expectation. Part of it is what I put on myself. I hate to leave things undone. But it should, I don't like what you said. I try to do better. You shouldn't have to do better. You are up that clinical ladder making all of those bucks because you're doing things like investing your time and weekends into continuing education. You're taking students to educate our SLPs to be, you're supervising CFs, you know, you're doing all the things to be better that our employers, and that's part of why we're doing this podcast to talk about these issues, our employers should be paying us to do the flipping work they're paying us to do, right? We shouldn't right. have to cut into our family time after we get off the clock. We shouldn't have to spend our lunch doing the paperwork. That So that's not on you. You shouldn't have to try to do better. Your employer should do better and schedule you seven hours of FaceTime a day instead of eight or something like that. Um, right. So everything that includes, that falls under that patient care umbrella is paid for on the time that you are contracted to do. Well, and you know, it's box. Sorry. That's okay. Well, and it's not just patient care and documentation. I have to fax my own plans of care. I have to chase down signatures um, when they don't come back in a timely manner. Um, I still have to call doctor's offices or patients, um, especially if they don't come or don't show, then I have to chase them down. Why haven't you been coming? So there's a lot more that goes into it besides just patient care and documentation. And it sounds like they need some better workflow systems or some <laughs> assistance um, well, for you. 
you know. <laughs> so it's uh, all about doing more with less. Yeah. I think to you, oh, go ahead, Janet. I'm just curious if anyone, I, well, let me back up. Does physical therapy and occupational therapy operate under the same system where yes. they're also doing these things? Okay. Yep. So as a rehab team, has anyone approached upper management about these issues to point out how much working off the clock is actually happening and to ask for more administration time during the day? And if so, what was the outcome? Um, I don't know that we've I don't know that we've ever had administration time here ever. Um, yes, this has been an issue since I got here. When I got here, we had a coordinator that would take care of vaccine plans of cares. Actually, that's now become our job um, because um, they've decreased the number of coordinators for a while um, as far as um, clerical people. So um, we just keep getting told that, you know, reimbursements down, the, the system's not making as much money as it was. We have to cut back where we can. So we've it's had odd, though, like as a, as a business owner, they like they have to understand that they're paying you a lot more per hour to do these administrative tasks. And so they're shooting themselves in the foot by getting rid of a coordinator who costs half as much or whatever. Um, and then that increases the load across all therapists. And so I think if they were to do the math, they would realize that by eliminating coordinators, they're paying more to get the job done. It's also um, interesting to me because these, you know that these C-level executives are not taking pay cuts. I'm sure of it. So as reimbursement goes down, the system continues to make more or at least maintain. And it's the workers like you, like me, like Megan, like our listeners who take the brunt of that. So instead of changing, this is what we see in nursing homes, instead of changing your hourly rate, what they do is they bump up the productivity. So instead of having 70 or 75% productivity, like we would have seven, 70 years ago, I'm not that old. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> like we would have had 20 years ago, you know, now it's 80, 85, sometimes 90%. So they're requiring more of us out of the day to maintain that same level of income so they can continue to make the money. But in essence, we're taking a pay cut because we have to work harder during the day. We have to see more patients in the day to make what we were making. So it's kind of like, like the same for you. You're seeing more patients in the day and doing the work or just taking on that administrative work so they don't have to pay someone so they can maintain but you have to work harder and are essentially taking a pay cut oh yeah how do we change this these are the things we don't know I don't know I mean um we'd have to have a mass uprising I guess here because that's the issue so some people go alone to get alone so unless you have enough people making waves you know people just get fired or let go because they're they're difficult or they quit because they're burnout 
And there's someone right behind them to say yes to those working conditions, which is what we've talked about with many of our guests so far, is the more people say yes to these things, the less there, the less chance that there will be change, that we all have to start saying no, we all have to advocate. As a team, OTPT, SLP, you all need to do time audits and show on a weekly basis, this is how much we're working off the clock. And in a very professional manner, taking it up to the administrators and presenting them you know, with, with the data. And so, I think there's a difference between being difficult and like complaining about like, oh, like this is too much work and you're not paying us enough and we're working off the clock and just like griping about it. There's a huge difference between that and coming in and saying like, listen, like we want this company to succeed. We are here to make that happen. We're all invested in this. We're, we're invested in making this a great place to work for longevity. So you don't have a lot of turnover. You know, we want our patients to succeed. We want to come into work and be excited. And this is what we're seeing. And here's the data. And this, you know, based on this data, this is what's happening. And these are some potential solutions. And those are just two very different approaches. And I think it's possible to come in and have the conversation and not be seen as difficult or starting conflict or anything like that. Yeah. And then and it's also a matter of getting other people to join you because if just one person is, um, if only one person's willing to have that conversation, um, it's kind of hard to make them see your point. Absolutely. So you said to us though, when I said, how much are you working off the clock or whatever, your response was, oh, I never really thought about it because I'm salary. And then Megan presented you with the math. <laughs> how many people on your rehab team have the same mindset as you? I've never really thought about the quote pay cut quote I'm taking by doing this. Probably not many. No, but, well, because it's, it's hounded into us for salary. So you, culture. You as long as, yeah, it's a cult. You stay as long as you need to do to get the work done. But the reality but, but the, is you can't unless you're documenting with your patients in front of you and then they're getting right. less therapy. Somebody suffers, but not the administrators. Correct. And they're not they're not paying the same salary in air quotes to the 32 hour person and the 40 hour person, like the, the salary is based on hours worked. I mean, I understand, I understand the salary argument, but I would say that's much more appropriate for an office type job um, or a business startup, or I don't know, there's other, there's other jobs where that would be more of an appropriate cultural culture mindset, but not in a therapy setting. So this is great advice for, for people listening. It was something that was advised to me. I think I was two years out of school and my rehab manager at the skilled nursing facility I had just started at had, had told me that she, and I don't even remember why we were talking about this, but she had recently gone from salary to hourly and that she would never, ever go back to, to salary again. And she told me at the time, I don't advise you ever take a salary position. And I had, 
I was on a salary position in the schools and I had come from a private pediatric job that was salary. So I really didn't understand why until many years later, because of these issues that we're, we're talking about now, because when you're hourly, you can say, Hey, I'm not done with my paperwork or I haven't done these X, Y, Z things because of everything that has happened today. So I'm not clocking out yet. But when, when your salary, you can't do that. Mm-mm. But as a salaried person, I can't be sent home if my caseload drops. As an hourly person, you can because our assistants are hourly. So our assistants get the brunt of it. If there's not enough work to do, the assistants get sent home. So I just get emails about product about productivity if my caseload drops, but I don't, they can't send me home. And you're paid the 40 hours, no matter what, mm-hmm. same pay- paycheck every week. Right. I think this discussion of productivity is kind of interesting in your type of setting too. I I, I didn't understand it myself when I was in private pediatrics because there was productivity and I didn't understand it back then. But it's not your fault if someone cancels or doesn't show up or you have an opening in your schedule and you're waiting for a new eval. You can go ahead and send me that email, but what am I supposed to do about it? I don't understand that. I know. And we've been asked to send an action plan. And the last time I got one about my productivity, when I went back and looked at how things were counted, I did the math. And I said, you know, if everybody had showed, I would have been 70% productive almost 80. And I said, and I had no control over those people that canceled or didn't show. I can't go get them. So my, my plan is to just continue to call people when they don't come and remind them of our policy. To carry on. It's part of our, um, our yearly review. We have a, um, um, we're kind of held accountable to our no show cancellation policy. That's insane. Oh, yeah. And I live in a rural area, so we don't have Uber or taxis or um, public transportation. So it doesn't really matter how good of a therapist you are, how much you're improving yourself. If, if you have clients who don't show up, that could impact your pay at your yeah. year review. Yep. Like if they don't want to give you a raise that year, that's what they can use as an excuse. Absolutely. I hope you guys could hear my audible sigh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know we have limited time because you're giving us your whole lunch break. So I'm going to ask you some questions about cost of living in your area. So we make sure to get those in. Um, how much is Target paying per hour or another similar retailer in your area? We don't have Target in my area. Um, I think Walmart is paying $15 an hour now. Okay. Um, and how much is a gallon of gas at your nearest gas station? $2.95 a gallon, I think. Okay. And then how much for a two-bedroom house that you would want to move into that's not a giant um, fixer upper? Uh, about 175. 175,000. Okay. 
Yes. And are you happy with your salary now that we've picked on you for <laughs> 30 minutes? <laughs> I, I am. Um, I, I'm pleased with, I, I feel like I'm compensated. I really never thought I would ever make this much money an hour. I mean, so I started out, you know, when I started out 27 years ago, I made 38,000 a year. And I thought that was a lot. Um, and I, I wasn't given an hourly amount. That was my salary with a contract company. Um, no, it was 36. I'm sorry. And then, um, then I, my next job was 38,000. And I really, I thought that was a lot of money comparatively speaking, because I'd never had a job like this. So, um, I, I'm comfortable with my salary. Um, I could, I could easily live off of it if I were single in my area. Our topic today and why we had you is because you have so much time in the field. So I'm wondering if, if you have any comments about the trends you've been seeing in terms of our compensation um, or, or how the field maybe has changed for better or for worse over the last 25 to 30 years. Um, oh gosh, I think compensation has drastically declined. When I first started, um, I'd been out in the field a couple of years and I remember hearing that new grads could make around $50 an hour, um, in skilled nursing facilities. Um, and PRNs could make that as a PRN therapist, I made $50 or more an hour when I covered for other therapists, companies were falling all over themselves to offer us jobs. Um, and then I forget where things changed, but I remember, I guess I'd been in about 10 years and we started here. Well, that's when Asha changed or, or somebody, um, that speech was no longer time-based. We were service-based. Um, so then, you know, then we started, we, it's almost like it was our fault. Um, well, we can't pay you that much because we don't get reimbursed that much for, for your services anymore. And now it's, um, I don't know, we used to be important. It felt like we used to be important. And now it just feels like we're hired because they need us because, you know, it's required by somebody that these people get therapy, but um, it's like we're a drag on, on the bottom line. With 17 years in, I would say I agree with all of that. And we've talked about that on a different episode too, how two-ish years out of school, I started at $50 an hour doing PRN and I'm still at $50 an hour doing PRN. So after 15 years, that's a pay cut because mm -hmm. the cost of living alone in 17 years oh, yeah. drastically increased. Um. I love what I do, but sometimes I think if I had, if I knew then what was going to happen now, I don't know that I would have gone into it. I agree. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the unfortunate future of the field, unless things turn around. Okay. What advice do you have for SLPs? as far as job hunting, interviewing, salary negotiation? 
You know, I don't know because I've never attempted, this is terrible. I've never attempted job negotiation. I mean, I have to a little bit. Um, I've always just been so happy to get a job. I think, I think now with information being so readily available about what ranges are in each state and what the averages are, go into, do your research before you go into an interview, go, you know, be willing to say, Hey, look, this is what, this is what the average is. Um, and don't let them lowball you because I know they will. There's a hospital in my area now on Indeed that the range, the salary that they're offering is between 30 and $35 an hour. That's a slap in my face. I would never apply for that job. Um, I'm well beyond 30 to $35 an hour. So know, know your worth before you go in. Um, ask about the compensation package. Um, insurance now is getting, you know, when I first started, my insurance was awesome. And now it's not so great. Um, and more of the cost is getting put on me. So ask about the compensation packages. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and for anyone listening, like when I when I um, quit my full time job and then became self employed, I was worried about the health insurance cost, and I ended up paying like sixty dollars a month more just to pay fully out of pocket for my health insurance. And so, I think if that's scaring anybody from like going um, to a ten ninety nine contract or self employment or starting a private practice, like you might be surprised when you do some shopping for health insurance, how, how affordable it is compared to what we're expected to pay when we're employed. So. I think sometimes too, compensation packages can be scary for people that they, it's stuff that they don't understand or didn't necessarily learn. So it is okay to find more than one person, even to talk to about compensation. Like, Hey, what are you paying for your health insurance at your job? What does that look like? Um, you know, friends, family members, mm -hmm. I, I do it for my students. Um, we were on my husband's insurance uh, at my new job. My insurance package is better. So I have two things to compare it to where I can say, okay, so you can, you can take, I can take the packages and, and say to people who are asking my advice, here's what we're paying, here's what we used to pay, this is kind of falling in the range and we live in the same area, or you're paying way more out of pocket. Or even recently, I looked at something for a student where it was a super good package. And I said, based on what we've been paying at two different jobs and what I've been seeing from others, this is a really, really good package. So it, ask for advice on that stuff. Don't feel like you can't approach people, especially now that we're being more encouraging that people should be talking about what they're making. So one thing we didn't ask you about that is related to this is your PTO. What kind of PTO do you get in your package now? Okay, so I get, um, I get two weeks vacation, plus I get, um, I think it ends up being 11 PTO days, it's like 2.77 hours per pay period that I get towards PTO. So I can use that. So I'm an outpatient. We're closed holidays. So I have to use PTO or vacation. So, and now um, actually at five years, you get an extra vacation day. So I will have 48 hours, I mean, 80, 
eight hours of vacation when I accrue it um, in November. Um, and then after 10 years, you get an extra week. So you get three weeks of vacation. So they do, there is some, it's not stagnant and it, um, you can roll over certain amounts of time. Um, PTO rolls, rolls over vacation. I think you have to use within your, within the year, it doesn't roll over. And then we get sick days too. So I get, I get, uh, I've got quite a bit of sick time accrued. Does that roll over? It does. And then they will pay you back for part of it. They'll purchase it back at a fraction of the cost. Um, once you reach 500 hours. I think. Um, how easy is it to take a day off to use that vacation time? It is, it's not been hard for me. Um, we have decent PRN coverage. Um, I just have to email and say, hey, I need this day off. I've never been told I couldn't. Rose, is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up? No, I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so transparent and helping other SLPs understand how the business works. So before we let you go, I always try to end every episode with a negotiation tip. I'm surprised that this, that this did not come up in our conversation today, because I know that over my tenure as an SLP, I've seen this quite a bit, and I'm sure you have too. Um, but my negotiation tip for today is if you are in a job already and you'd like to negotiate more money, the best thing to do is to start job hunting. So start interviewing for other positions, start getting other offers, and then take those offers back to your current employer and and say, hey, I've, I've been offered another position at this rate or with this compensation package, but I really like working here. I really enjoy the clients that we serve and the relationships that I've built. Is there any way that you can match this package or raise me and, and see what comes up, see if they're willing to renegotiate with you, especially if you've been in that job for a really long time. Uh, the only tricky part about that is that you might have to be prepared to leave if they won't match the rate. Um, but what I often tell people in our field is the only way to get an actual decent raise is to change jobs, unfortunately. That job hopping is something we see more often than not because it's really one of the only ways to make more money. And it's unfortunate that our employers won't invest more into us to maintain us. But if you if you want to move up that that clinical ladder without having the clinical ladder in your job, that's one of the things that you have to do. Okay, so Rose, to end our um, our episode today, we do have sponsors for our episode and we, we give all of that sponsorship money out. So half of it is going to you to compensate you fairly for your time today. And the other half is going to go to the NISLA chapter of your choice to support our SLPs to be. So do you have a NISLA chapter that you'd be interested in us sending the money to? I do. Where would you like us to send it? Um, Mississippi University for Women. 
Okay, Mississippi University for Women, you win. That's that's great. <laughs> we'll make sure that they get that on your behalf. And thank you so much for sharing with us today all, all the things about being an SLP in the field for a little bit longer. And I think really the first unique perspective we've had on a salary. Awesome. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rose. Bye. 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 Next time on Other SLP's Pockets, we talk to a graduate student who signed a contract for a CF position in a school district, but then was contacted by a recruiter who offered her a position in the same district for more money. Join us to hear her story, the struggles she faced with appearing unprofessional, the discussion surrounding non-compete clauses, and to see if she decided to jump ship with the first company before the ship even set sail. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with your SLP friends and continue the dialogue together. The more of us that are having these types of open conversations, the more likely it is that we're all going to be paid what we're worth. If you would like to connect with Jeanette and me, you can reach us via email at hello at otherslpspockets.com. You can also find us on Instagram at otherslpspockets. Pockets.